Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Occupied America reports killing the mules, Primal Scream, a life sentence for the J6 protesters, Alito and Thomas and Scotus and Roe, billionaires leaving America, and the World Health Organization, WHO, and the CCP, Gaffney and Bregan. And that'll be a lot to get to. But if I get to all those stories, that's what we're talking about today. So welcome again to America Can We Talk. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And welcome again to America Can We Talk to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. It feels like it's been longer than usual talking with you, but actually it has because last Thursday I took a day off from the show and uh, did an out-of-town speaking engagement, which was wonderful. Quick note to anyone listening to the show from Austin, Texas, if you're not part of the Austin Republican Women, Austin Republican Women Club, you should join. Great club. Spoke there at their big festival they had last Thursday. Very fun, great club. But on this first five today, you know, I want to tell you why I have this caption called Occupied America Reports. Everyone understands and kind of knows to some degree the history of when Hitler began invading and spreading his troops. And this is, he's not the only example, but he's the example most Americans can understand and know about in some degree historically. So Hitler spread uh, his evil, his troops, into Western Europe more and more. People use the expression occupied France, meaning France as a country was occupied by, the government was taken over by the Germans. They, the people of France did not choose to become Nazis, did not choose to become part of Hitler's, uh, what he was trying to create as his empire. They were instead occupied, which reminds me of a line from that wonderful, my favorite movie ever, Casablanca. And in, relatively early in the movie in Casablanca, the local prefect guy who's kind of in charge, Casablanca's in Morocco, and that the story of this movie, Casablanca, was that that's where a lot of people are fleeing to get away from Hitler's troops, fleeing down to Morocco, waiting for the coveted pass to get away to America. There are just, we could talk about Casablanca, maybe one whole entire show, so many points about how, uh, what people thought about America then. But in any case, back to Casablanca. So the local prefect guy is kind of a weasel, um, but he's in charge and the German uh, guy who's gonna come and kind of make sure everything's, be, everyone's behaving in Morocco, uh, in Casablanca, even though Germany didn't yet, you know, control them. So you had him getting off the plane and this uh, slimy little prefect, not slimy, but just smarmy kind of prefect, prefect guy who ends up being a good guy in the end. But in any case, he welcomes this German uh, soldier coming, this German uh, military leader coming off the plane. And he says, unoccupied France welcomes you. He's saying, we're not occupied and you're not in charge here. Well, I use the word occupied. I thought about this a lot before saying it on the show, and I really want to start using it more, talking about occupied America. And it's at least two reasons why I really think we should be speaking about the things happening in America today as an occupation. Number one, as evidence mounts and mounts and mounts that the 2020 presidential election was stolen, that our election system is not secure, 
what we have in Washington is essentially similar to an occupied government. We, we are occupied. We Americans did not elect this government, and we certainly did not elect all and vote for or express support in any way for the madness coming out of Washington and the policies they're engaged in. So we're occupied in the sense that we had a government take power through theft, through theft, manipulation, deception. So America, the free, the great American people who voted uh, overwhelmingly to get four more years under uh, President Trump, we are occupied by an army that we did not choose, by a government we did not choose. And secondly, and this is a really, uh, I, I think, important point, and it weaves through many things I talk about in my show. America's unique and uh, extraordinary greatness based in the founding of America was this idea that everyone has a right, we have God-given rights, a declaration which says God-given rights to live in America, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and the Constitution goes beyond that and talks about in the First Amendment, all these rights you have, and again, they are inherently yours. They are inalienable rights. They're rights you own and possess because you were born. And the point the founders are making is everyone on the planet Earth since time began was actually a person born with inalienable rights. We simply had no country that would honor those rights, and that was a distinction in America. So in America, we had this, this just the most glorious history of the rise of a nation, premise on liberty, respect for the individual, respect for not, not just freedom of speech and religion, and which are vital, vital things, but a sense of justice in society, the whole concept of America, the rule of law, not the rule of men, all the greatness of America, and included the idea of owning private property. That in America, unlike in slave nations, unlike in nations where you had a ruling feudal class and the poor peasants couldn't own anything except maybe a little tiny scrap of land to live on, you have property rights. You have the right to own your possessions, to work hard, to earn money, make yourself your life better. That's what America is. And so we are actually, in addition to being occupied by the Biden administration, which was not elected, we are ideologically occupied. And what I mean by that, we talked many times in the show about the idea, this long march through the institutions in this country, which was the, the uh, dream idea of Herbert Marcuse and also of the, just the, the radical left was a notion, they're never going to take America over the communists who want to control the world, who want to destroy America's sovereignty and prosperity and goodness and greatness. They were never going to take America down militarily, but they could ideologically take us down to a stealth invasion, a long march through the institutions, meaning that communists in this country 80 to 100 years ago began the march through our institutions, through academia, through universities, through, through education completely in this country, uh, through journalism, through government, through foundations, through culture, the press of ideological communists to destroy the underpinnings of the idea of America has been going on for decades. And so we find ourselves in a place in America today where we actually have the uh, anti-American left, openly people openly saying, yeah, I, I really like Marxism, I like communism, I like socialism. These people are the product of an invasion. We are occupied also in that way. We're occupied because a communist invasion in the form of the long march through the institutions, the constant pummeling away at every aspect and opening of American society to turn Americans away from the greatness and goodness of our founding 
and to twist and contort the truth about America so we end up in a place we're occupied by ideologically occupied by communists. Now, what I really want to talk about then is where we are now today. Here we are in May of 2022. Dinesh D'Souza releases his film last week, 2,000 Mules, and to, to great, great excitement, 2,000 Mules basically feature the story of one avenue that the left used to steal the 2020, the, yeah, the 2020 election. 2,000 mules refers to people like mules at the border are people who will carry over, like, like pack mules do on a long trip in the desert or a long trip in the mountains. Mules, they pile things on them and they carry heavy weights. Well, mules at the border bring people over the border. And they are, they are they're vehicles that transport people, drugs, cartel uh, money, uh, traffic people. That's what mules are. The film, Mules, is talking about the people who engaged in just as one form of election fraud, which was gathering the massive, unsolicited, and largely fraudulent mail-in ballots, mailed out everywhere, filled out by people, parked in some institution, some NGO or other place, allowed them to hide these ballots there, and the mules were the people who were depicted in this movie going to pick up these stacks of ballots and bringing them in the dark of the night to the places where they had these, these Zucker boxes, they had the uh, mail-in ballot boxes, and literally being filmed, unbeknownst to them, being filmed, dropping those ballots in and casting ballots. They don't even know who they're basing, casting ballots for, and we don't know, and all we know is this is one vehicle by which the election was stolen. If you didn't see 2,000 mules, uh, you, will, you, will, you need to see it to understand what really occurred. And again, this is only one avenue or method by which the election was stolen. So I called this uh, opening segment Occupied America Reports because we have to start thinking of ourselves that way in, in who we are in America. We are occupied by a regime that did not win the election like France was occupied by, by Hitler. We're occupied by a government we didn't elect, and they, the method of that theft is becoming more and more known. I will also share with you uh, that I, I call this killing the mules because uh, mainstream media, all the social media giants, are trying to shut down the film. Shut down, if you use the hashtag 2000 mules, mules shut down every effort to spread 2,000 Mules, the film, uh, advocating for people as a way to, see, to, uh, to find a way to see it. They're trying to shut that all down. But frankly, as they say, the genie's out of the bottle, the horse is out of the barn. There are now millions and millions of Americans who realize that not only the election was stolen, but this method alone, this using mules to transport massive, uncountable numbers of mail-in ballots, was one vehicle that was used, and even in that film, just putting simple numbers together. They're able to conclude, as Dinesh D'Souza said in the film, they're able to conclude this election was stolen just by the numbers of people flinging uh, fraudulent, who, who knows, unsourced, uh, unknown source mail-in ballots uh, by, the, by the dozens and dozens into these drop boxes and running around town and doing it again over and over all night. I'll close out the first five by saying this. I do this show entirely to speak up and stand up for America. If in America we actually had a majority of well-informed citizens and who could freely vote and only cast one vote and only vote if you're a citizen, and if that happened and then America elected the Biden 
and Harris administration elected this 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 administration that is very obviously intentionally engaging in a wrecking ball operation against America, then we have a different political battle on our hands, a very different political battle. Then you have the battle to try to, to inspire, talk, speak, share, argue, advocate for the idea of America, the return to, to America, the return to the freedom America was founded on, the, to return to the idea of America. But we didn't have, that's not what happened. We, we are in the battle we are in in America because we are occupied by people who didn't win the election and we're occupied by, to a very larger and more, but more ethereal way, an ideological communist ideological occupation force that's been working for decades to take America down and they think they're close. They think they're very, very close. More of us on the rest of the show, but that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So I talked about this uh, the film, about Dinesh D'Souza's film. I want to tell you a couple of things about it. Uh, one is what happened in 2020, the election of 2020, and people's reaction to it, and all of the other uh, ways in which people became aware of what happened in the 2020 election, it is what caused the January 6th protest. The January 6th protest did not happen because all those people in Washington were a bunch of sycophants who love Trump and they're just mad. They know he lost, but they're mad about it. January 6th happened because even then, even in January 6th of 2021, over a year ago, by then, the vast majority of people in Washington, the people who went there to hear Trump, they had become aware that the election was stolen. They had seen with their own eyes. They watched the election. I've gone over the kind of, um, you know, what you could just common sense observations, the conclusions you would make, uh, having seen all the rallies Trump had, Biden campaigns exactly nowhere, and when he does get out to speak, nobody shows up. Uh, you had America. You know, they always say people vote with their wallet, and at the end of President Trump's first term, even with all of the COVID uh, pandemic happening, the impact of that, you still had America prosperous, you had America energy, independent for the first time, you had everybody, every segment, measurable segment of American society doing better, and, and yet somehow Biden won. I mean, the people just knew it just, you know, it just didn't pass the smell test. That's a lot of what happened in January 6th. But I want to tell you about how harshly those who have been part of the mission to keep Biden in, in office, and not just to keep him in office, but to maintain that he's legitimately in office, that he says that is a legitimate win. Now, yeah, he probably really won. So what they're engaging in is this astonishing, astonishing, I mean, it almost kind of takes your breath away, the way in which our FBI and Department of Justice are going after the January 6th protesters. One little piece, I don't know if you saw this story, and by the way, everything I'm talking about on my show today, everything I ever talked about on my show, you can go to my website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, and on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links. You can always read every link. You can read the stories that I'm speaking from. I want to share the most amazing thing about the January 6th protesters. So you have the Department of Justice going after them. And, you know, going after them in a way they never, never even lifted an, a finger in comparison to go after the actually violent protesters of Antifa and, Black, Antifa and Black Lives Matter all 2020. But at this point, the FBI, the, the DOJ, now prosecuting the January 6th people, has gone after a group called Oath Keepers. Oath 
as in promise, you know, oath keepers. And they sent a letter to the people with charges pending against them based on January 6th, telling these people that if they did not plead guilty to the charges that have been levied against them, these people haven't been to trial, they haven't been able to tell their story to a jury or a judge, they haven't been there, but the DOJ sent a letter to the lawyers for these January 6th defendants saying, if you don't plead guilty, we are going to seek a term of imprisonment for life. It is a bald threat to these people saying, you're going, you're going to plead guilty, or if you don't plead guilty, we are gonna, when we prosecute you, we're going for life in prison. People, life in prison? We don't give that to most murderers in this country. Life in prison for being part of what was not an insurrection, was a protest. In fact, that was one thing. I called this segment Primal Scream because that was one of the great lines out of the, Dinesh, out of the 2000 Mules uh, film, Dinesh D'Souza's line. He called it January 6th. He said January 6th because people by then recognized this election was stolen, something's really wrong here, and the anti-American left is trying to cram it down our throats. And January 6th really was the end of the legal process, meaning once January 6th, meeting in Congress occurs, the House and Senate meeting together under the Vice President, Pence. Once they confirm the Electoral College vote, that's just the, I mean, Biden doesn't become president, but becomes inevitable he will become president. So that's what January 6th was. That's why the people were so focused on that day. And so this great expression that Dinesh D'Souza said was the January 6th protest was like a nationwide primal scream. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. It was a scream of the American people saying, wait a minute, you can't do this to us. You have to listen to these states are telling you something went really wrong in our counting. States that were saying we're not sure our electoral co uh, college count was valid. So this was, this was what gave rise to January 6th. It was recognition January that the November election uh, was fraudulent. This is why the people were there January 6th. So, but I want you to think about what it represents, what it says about the, the uh, mindset of the DOJ, the lawyers, the, the government, prosecuting January 6th people, the Oath Keeper people telling them, either you plead guilty or we're going to lock you up for life or we're going to try, we're going to seek life imprisonment. I want to tell you how rare life imprisonment is in America. But this is the message. And by the way, if you don't read Julie Kelly, Julie Kelly is a writer at American Greatness. And Julie Kelly is an extraordinary writer. And she's been dedicated pretty much since right after January 6th of 2021. She's been dedicated to uncovering every single thing that is happening in Washington related to January 6th. She covers all sorts of stories. She covers the people being prosecuted, what they actually did that day, what they pled to. She's covered the stories of people who committed suicide in Washington or in their home states because of being prosecuted on January 6th. And she actually had someone, I'm going to assume it's one of the lawyers for one of the, the uh, January 6th defendants who's part of Oath Keepers, but the letter written by the DOJ to the lawyers for these uh, Oath Keepers on January 6th basically said, you're going to plead guilty or going to seek life imprisonment. And I, I really want you to think about how, how 
outrageous that is. Outrageous. And again, understand, when I say we're occupied in this country, look back at how the DOJ and the FBI conducted themselves during the four years of the Trump term. Those people, you have many people at the higher echelons of the major bureaucracies in Washington, the DOJ and the FBI and the State Department, a bunch of other ones, who are long-termers. They are the deep state. They are the people who think we decide how things roll in America. These silly little peasant people who have elections and they think they change things. They think they you know, put, it, put us on a new path. No way. No way. These deep state people, they run the place. Those people in the DOJ and the FBI went after and perpetuated the utter farce of the Trump-Russia collusion hoax for two and a half or three years. Even as we're now discovering that the CIA and therefore all the other agencies at the higher levels, they knew from the middle of 2016 that Hillary cooked up, made up, fantasized, created the entire Trump-Russia collusion story. Brennan wrote it down in his notes, a CIA head. And yet, all of those agencies permitted the ongoing investigation of what they knew was a non-existent uh, collusion claim. They, they enabled it. They participated in it. They, they, I mean, it's breathtaking to think. So, back to where we are now, the, that same DOJ that was never willing, no, bra no one brave in those agencies, no one brave at the FBI was willing to say, you know, actually... Um, we already know that Hillary made this up. So all this stuff you're making up about, you know, Trump-Russia collusion is not true. No one had the bravery. No one had the courage. And so we had Trump-Russia collusion. Back to where we are now. The powers that be in Washington have decided that January 6th must be treated as the watershed event, the opportunity to signal to America nobody protests this regime. Nobody protests our power. Going out a life sentence for people who, an election that I'm going to guess many of these individuals in the DOJ, FBI, they understand. They're starting to read the evidence. They're starting to understand, whoa, it really does look like it was stolen. But they're kind of okay with it. They're not going to do anything about it. Another point about the mule thing, but just, just let that sink in. What the mindset is, if you were the prosecutor in the DOJ going after someone who came to Washington to protest what was obviously a stolen election, or at least genuinely be they believed, they, the protesters, believe, and probably some of the people in the DOJ FBI knew was a stolen election, and you know that's what's happening, and you go ahead and send a letter saying, you know what, life, you're going to spend your life in prison if you don't plead guilty to what we're telling you. That you, what we've charged you with. I should tell you something else that I've been thinking about this entire episode. So now this 2,000 mules is out. And I want to make another point about that really matters to understand. The way they got the evidence in this 2,000 mules thing is that Catherine Engelbrecht, true the vote, she and her team gathered and eventually provided to D'Souza, along with the help of others, but they actually have now, they have evidence Cell phone numbers, the, the personal cell phone number of these mule people, of each mule person running around, going to these NGOs or institutions, holding onto the votes and driving across town in their car. They've got the car, you know, the trail of the car going because their cell towers, their cells are pinging off the cell towers. They know where they went. They have film of them dropping in fraudulent votes. I mean, 
all night long, the same mule would go one place, pick up some votes, drop it off, go another place, pick up some votes. Now, what if you were the state with the district attorney in any county where this occurred, and you're watching this film, and you're watching pretty much indisputable evidence that the election was stolen via the use of the mules, uh, the fraudulent mail-in ballot scam, why are you sitting on your hands? I mean, you don't need Washington's permission to prosecute ballot fraud. Why isn't every state attorney general in all the states where this occurred, why aren't they leaping out of the seats the moment after they finished watching 2000 Mules film and saying, wow, we had massive crime occur on our watch in our state. Why aren't they leaping out of their seats? Why? Why do you hear almost nothing? I mean, nothing, far as I can tell. And so Catherine Engelbeck, you know what? I, um, I want to tell you one thing that uh, she's doing. I, I love Catherine Engelbeck, first of all. Oh, hey, by the way, she's going to be on our show on Thursday. Catherine Engelbeck, the, the founder of True the Vote, um, who's just extraordinary, an extraordinarily uh, brave, amazing, amazing person. Um, but uh, she, her organization came up with all of this evidence, um, and she's... Um, one point I've thought about over and over is why they do not prosecute this. How, how is it that all this can happen and, and pretty much, you know, pretty much it seems like the DAs and attorneys general all the states are kind of uh, waiting for something else to happen. I, I'm, I, I truly deeply, I, I, I don't think our country is that far gone, but I will say part of the answer is because none of these people want to be the one that crosses the left. I mean, Washington has put out the word. Washington has put out the word that basically do not go out these people. Uh, you know what, folks? I missed it. Our radio listeners went off to a break. I'm sorry. Anyway, missed that timing. I will just tell you, for everybody else listening online, this 2000 Mules movie offered the opportunity to Catherine Engelbrecht, Catherine Engelbrecht gave them information so there should be district attorneys and attorneys general in all of these relevant states going after election fraud. I mean, they can get these cell phone numbers. Catherine Engelbrecht has them. Get the cell phone numbers. Find out who has them. Question the people. What were you doing that night? How many ballots? Where did you pick them up? They're, just, they're not doing it. And Catherine Engelbrecht, and uh, fortunately for us, she has information. And she's also uh, saying that she um, is going to um, potentially, I guess she is going to release for the public the names of these NGOs, these places, these institutions uh, I'm going to guess they're mostly left-wing, that were participating in this massive fraud that night. I mean, somebody's holding on to all these ballots. You know, the stash house got the ballots. The next mule shows up. You pass them off. He runs off and drops them somewhere. I, I mean, it's the most astonishing thing that we are not hearing about all of these people with the not only right to, but really obligation to enforce the law to uncover fraud. This the movie is out there, and, and social media is shutting it down. District attorneys, no one you know here is saying, you know what, we have a massive problem on our hand. But apparently Catherine Engelbrecht is talking about she is going to begin uh, releasing the names of these NGOs, these organizations that were willing to be stash houses for all these fraudulent mail-in ballots. Now, not every ballot cast by a mule was necessarily fraudulent, but... It is a crime in every state, a crime in every state, to be paid to drop off a mail-in ballot. You can't say, you can't, 
because they're trying to disincentivize this kind of massive theft. You can't, it's a crime to pay someone to take your ballot and mail it in. You can ask them to mail it in if you're you know, bedridden or something else, but you can't pay them. So in all the states in the country, that's at least illegal. Many states have limitations on how many mail-in ballots any one person can drop in the mailbox. I mean, the whole thing is like we're watching this amazing proof in front of our eyes, American citizens, and you're just kind of seeing this. It's not even lethargy and laziness. It's just I, the, this attitude on behalf of the DA, the Attorney General, we're not going to do anything about it. We can't do anything about that. I don't know what to do about that, so I guess we'll do nothing. Hmm, that's our answer. We'll do nothing. And many of them do not like the idea, the picture, of being someone targeted by the Biden administration for going after this because the word is on the anti-American left, everybody shut up, game over, we won, and we are ruling, and nobody challenges us. I'm going to say welcome back to our radio listeners. I'm sorry I forgot I didn't get in before you went off to your break at the bottom of the hour, um, but I'm glad you're back. I want to encourage all of our radio listeners that you can listen to this show online. My show is called America Can We Talk. The show is live at our website, americacanwetalk.org. You can also go there. Whoever's listening, wherever you are, you can go to americacanwetalk.org. Listen to all our past shows, past interviews, read our blog posts, read our Why It Matters series, all sorts of great stuff on our website. So I encourage you to do that. I have a lot of topics and not enough time. This like happens, especially Mondays. Mondays are very hard because so much has happened since last week. And even though I speak pretty, pretty quickly, I can't get all the stories in. But I do encourage you. I, I'm really liking this idea of a lot of talking about just kind of occupied America reports because that's where we are. We're occupied by a regime that did not win the election, and we're occupied by the communist ideological invasion attempting to take over our country and pull up our roots from a country rooted in freedom. I'll quickly say a thing about the ongoing stuff related to the Supreme Court. It is the most amazing thing. So you all know that there was a leaking of this draft opinion in Roe versus Wade or relating to Roe versus Wade in which the court basically said, you know, we, are, we think we have a majority to overturn Roe versus Wade. The opinion does not say, and therefore, abortion is illegal. The opinion says this will go back to the state legislatures where it always belonged. That's all the opinion says. To listen to the left in this country, to listen to how they're reacting, you would think that a ruling came down that women can't vote or, you know, People with a certain hair color have to be slaves. I mean, you would think it was this, this just uh, this ominous ending of some right, and it's not. It's a policy issue that belongs in state legislatures, and that's all that's happening. But things have gotten so bad with the, the, uh, by protesters, especially this one group, uh, which they're calling themselves Ruth R U T H. Excuse me, R U T H. Ruth sent us, referring to Ruth Bader Ginsburg who's deceased, as you know. So these people are trying to say they're, you know, they're the legends carrying on the, uh, the um, mission or the agenda of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And so they're, but they are organizing protests outside the houses of Supreme Court members. Ruth sent us is the organization that put out the home addresses of the six possible yes votes to overturn Roe versus Wade. That's called doxing. Put out those addresses. These protesters show up at their houses to the point that 
Samuel Alito, Justice Alito, who was the, uh, named as the author of the opinion in the leaked draft, he and his family have been moved out of their house to be taken to, his, to safety. They can't live in their house. Protesters are outside of these other houses of the Supreme Court justices, and this Ruth sent us is not only encouraging protesters, they're paying them. I mean, this is insanity, I, I, insanity on, on steroids, just, just on steroids. I was going to make two other comments about it, kind of um, interesting how it's all unfolding. Uh, so one is that there was a major speech to be given by Justice Alito. I think he's probably the main recipient of extremely dangerous threats, so he pulled back from a public speech, but Justice Clarence Thomas did not. Justice Clarence Thomas showed up at a previously scheduled speech, and basically the message he had to say was, we, the Supreme Court, we will not be bullied. We will not be bullied. We're going to make the decisions based on the rule of law, and that's what we're going to do. I, I love Justice Thomas. I think he's the most uh, strong spine, backbone, and he is forever and a day attacked and mocked by the anti-American left, especially by the racist leftists who think that because he has black skin, he's not allowed to think for himself, that because he has black skin, he has to agree with their agenda. And he just, God bless that man, he thinks for himself. He's brilliant. He is uh, low key, but he is brilliant. He is thoughtful. And he's saying we will not be bullied. And I again want to go back to talking about the idea of America and being occupied. How you're seeing the, the left conduct themselves now, the Ruth sent us group, the other protesters are getting really wild, really, and they have protection up now around the Supreme Court to keep away these crazies who are going to show up to protest. But I want you to just think about the kind of larger ideological point. In America, we have these three co-equal branches of government. The judiciary is the courts, and that the Supreme Court, obviously, the U.S. Supreme Court, highest court there is in that branch. What these Ruth sent us protesters are saying is, even the highest court in the land, you are not allowed to disagree with us. We will threaten you in your home. We will make you feel afraid. And we will, we will uh, pressure the court in every way because we've made the policy decision that abortion should be legal and you aren't allowed to disagree with us. You're not allowed. You cannot come to a decision we don't like. This is tr throwing the rule of law on its head as rule by mob. And this is how the left functions, rule by mob. They are a mob. They're behaving like a mob. And up until yesterday, the White House, through the uh, Jen Psaki statement she was making in her uh, comments to the press, were kind of okay with it. They weren't they were not telling people, you know, you're really out of line here. However, I'm going to guess what happened is somebody in the White House did a little bit of polling and said, you know what, this whole idea of threatening Supreme Court justice in their home, not polling well, and the American people don't like it. So now they thought, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah we're the White House. We, we, we don't like this at all. You know, protesters, you really shouldn't be going to their houses. I'm telling you, the left, they think like a mob. They're fine with the fact the election was stolen. They're fine with having in place somebody who didn't win and whose policies are a wrecking operation destroying America. They're fine with that because what they want more than anything is power. 
So back to the way that they finally had to say. I said, I only have one clip for today. Uh, this is the Michigan Attorney General, and it is on the subject of the um, if Roe is really overturned. And I sent um, Mr. Emilio uh, a little clip of this uh, interview, just a few things that she had to say. If you play that, please. Jurisdiction. And um, I, I ran on a platform of understanding that likely during the course of my term, Roe v. Wade would be overturned. And this incredibly draconian and strict 1931 law would criminalize abortion in this state with virtually no exceptions, no exception for rape, for incest, no exception for medical emergencies. And understanding that the lives of our 2.2 million women who are of childbearing age in this state, their lives would be at risk. I refuse to enforce uh, this draconian law that will endanger their lives. Okay, the reason I wanted to play that, sorry, was this is always how the left makes arguments that, that are just, I mean, just acting helpless, acting like, oh my gosh, what if they do this to us? She's the attorney general. There are millions of people in Michigan. If they have on their books, her point was they have some law in their books that outlawed all abortions from 1934, whatever it was. So the answer is, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, which it does appear it will be, then it is the job of the legislatures in every state to take up what is supposed to be the job of the legislature is to weigh competing opinions, listen to testimony, get input from all sides of the question, and put your law in place in your state. And if she is accurate that people in Michigan or the majority want to have uh, legalized abortion at whatever phase they want to have it of the pregnancy, they can do that. They're not helpless. These people protesting act like there's nowhere to turn, nowhere to go, unless we have an absolute rule out of the Supreme Court. And I find her attitude, because she gave, there was a much longer clip, I didn't want to play it all, but she gave these examples about doctors might be afraid in case a woman's having a miscarriage and you, know, you have a miscarriage, you have to, the doctor has to help and help end the pregnancy because you know, the body is already rejecting the pregnancy and you're, you're having a miscarriage. She said doctors won't, well, they'll be afraid to help women. Women will just die having miscarriages of all absurd idiocy. That is so not true. But they work people into an ignorant lather by saying things like that, like, like, like doctors will just let women die if this law goes into place versus saying, how about responsible adults in every state who are elected, attorneys general, House members and members of the Senate, every state, you got to sit down and say, okay, you know, now the law is the law is here and here's what we're going to do about it. That's what Michigan will do and California will do and New York will do and Texas and every other state in this country. They will do that. And then, and those laws will not be etched in stone because of the, the a law will be put in place and then some incident will occur and people will say, you know what, our law needed to accommodate this circumstance. Our law needed an exception here. Our law needed this. I mean, all, the states will do the responsible job of governance on policy. But her attitude of just, oh, I mean, we'll just be, we'll just, if Roe versus Wade will just be completely helpless here in the state of Michigan, we can't think, we can't think up a new law, we can't work on a new law, we can't do anything, we're just going to fall over and be helpless. I mean, so idiotic and, and, and honestly very frustrating. But on the subject of the way the um, left is engaging in protests over Roe versus Wade, you know, there are people writing about this, and it kind of ties back to my 
point in the beginning. We are under invasion in this country, not only, not only because we had an election stolen, but the ideological invasion of communism, Marxism, socialism, and the tactics they use. And many of the tactics being used today by the anti-American left are very much Marxist tactics, tactics, including on this very issue of Roe. What the Ruth Sent Us group organized yesterday on Sunday, they organized uh, or groups to show up at Catholic churches because the Catholic Church has taken a strong, pretty much unequivocal stand of pro-life and because some of the Supreme Court justices who apparently intend to vote to overturn Roe versus Wade are Catholic. So the Marxists who are, are just you know, anti-American to their core are showing up at Catholic churches, blocking access to churches to try to say, you know, uh, you can't go to church if, unless you're going to agree with us about what we think about abortion. I mean, we're watching the tactics that, that are brutal, that are Marxist, that are what leftists do when they want power. Leftists are bullies. They, they will do whatever it takes to get the power they want, and they'll inflict their power on people who don't want it, who don't agree. And this is where we are. So there's a great piece written at Center for Security Policy. I think I put it up on our website, Anti-Marxist Movement, just recognizing, uh, an, an, not anti-Marxist, anarcho, which is anarchist and Marxist group. They're engaged in this attack on churches now. And we're watching this, this amazing uh, rise of, of, I don't even know what to call it, crazy, out of the, uh, out of the left. They can't, they, they can't deal with having an intelligent adult conversation and the robust debate of ideas on what the right answer is as to the legality of, of abortion. And it is a very, very, I, I don't lightly address this issue. I really don't. I, I, um, I think it's, it's a very tough issue. It's a very tender issue. There are deeply felt uh, concerns on both sides. And this is, frankly, part of being a grown-up in a free country, in a representative, in a constitutional republic with a, a elected people um, in a democracy, a democracy where we have a constitutional republic, this is the job of getting to the hard issues and talking through the policy. And, and um, it just is it's really embarrassing and appalling how the left is behaving about this. By the way, before I forget, um, the New York Times on this subject, I'm going to get to oh, two of the topics still today, I think, but the New York Times ran a piece trying to say, well, the reason you have to support the Supreme Court having issued the Roe versus Wade decision, because all these different states had different laws, and they really weren't fair, so the Supreme Court made it fair, basically, by just saying, uh, you know, by issuing Roe versus Wade and, and the standards of Roe versus Wade. And in the New York Times, they made the analogy to laws that used to exist, uh, especially in, when the South in America was controlled by the Democrats, the racist Democrat Party, there were laws preventing interracial marriage. So New York Times gives an example. Well, you know, I mean, this is why we had to have the Supreme Court step in and say, you can't outlaw interracial marriage. People can have the freedom to marry who they want to marry. And they're hinting. I mean, people actually took away from that. Oh, my gosh. If Roe goes down, the next thing that will happen is the Supreme Court is going to, you know, pull back from that and leave that to the states. They're not the same issues. And the left is frantically looking to create agitation and anger and confusion and fear in the minds of Americans, Roe versus Wade has nothing to do with interracial marriage and interracial marriage. The Supreme Court's ruling on that subject 
are not in play, are not in question. No one's talking about overturning those. No one's talking about that. But the left, if they can get a few ignorant people worked into a lather of ignorance, they're fine doing that. Okay, um, I want to hit this very, very quick topic and then, um, and then tell you this last, last thing I may or may not get to, but um, I, I called it Billionaires Leaving America. And I just, the reason I wanted to share this with you is there is a, um, I talk on this show about how concerned I am about America. And I'm concerned because the foundational freedoms upon which America was based are fundamental in keeping America safe and strong and free. The rise of the anti-American left, the hard left, the Marxist, socialist, communist left, the rise of the left in this country is strident, it's not very open, it's very antagonistic. When you see the things coming out of the Biden administration, where they're now telling you, Homeland Security is telling you that you cannot talk about the stolen election, you cannot talk about election fraud, you cannot talk about COVID policy, you can't talk about anything we don't want you to talk about. And if you do, we might call you domestic terrorist. These are deeply, deeply alarming things to everyone with a, a hint of clarity about the bigger picture of how you hold on to freedom. When you have the actually elected government in Washington, they, okay, they weren't elected, the actually exercising power, the Biden regime running this country, telling people, you know, you can't talk about election fraud because otherwise we're going to call you a terrorist, telling people you can't protest in Washington over the, this primal scream protest and we might lock you up for the rest of your life if you do. These are people who are way outside of, no longer engaged in the American political conversation, no longer engaged in the robust debate of ideas. These are people using force and tyranny against the American people. And there are many people in this country deeply alarmed as they watch the rise of the hard left. I mean, another great example we talked about recently, this new SAR, disinformation SAR, a 33-year-old uh, you know, junior high school level maturity person now in charge of disinformation. I mean, that is right out of Orwell, right out of Russia, right out of repressive communist thinking that the government decides what's true. It's why, it's why communist Russia had Pravda, because they got to say what's true. And that's what they're doing. There are people deeply concerned our country is going to dissolve that people aren't going to tolerate this, and yet the left shows no signs of stopping their wrecking operation against America. So this story I want to share with you is, this is kind of amazing. So there are billionaires in this country, B-boy billionaires, and you know what? I'm in favor of people making all the money they can. I'm in favor of private wealth. I don't, that doesn't make them bad people, but I want to tell you what's other, uh, yeah, interesting happening. U.S. billionaires are working toward, there's an increase in the number of them who are trying to get what they're calling a golden passport. And a golden passport means that you have enough money to give now, cash on hand to spend, to get access to becoming an instant passport, uh, instant passport to, and in fact, potentially either instant citizenship or instant right to live permanently in some other country 
because you are fearing what's going to happen to him in America and you want to get the heck out of here. You see the unrest rising to a level of concern. You see the rise of the, the hostile, brutal, tyrannical left. And you see there's a growing swath of Americans saying, we're not going to let you do this to our country. You cannot take away America. And so these people are so concerned. It's a golden passport. They sell, essentially, sell citizenships to safe countries for, for about $6.5 million. And what that gets you is you have this passport. So trouble brews. You're not trying to get any sort of permission, any sort of permission ahead of time, anywhere else. You can go because you've already bought your way. And the country is receiving this money. You are paying the money toward them. And those countries are investing that money or taking that money from you to do the things they need to do. To, they, they take it for their own good. And you essentially bought yourself instant access if you got to get out of here. The increase in the number of the percentage of people over the last three years from America who are buying golden passports is a 337% increase. It's just a signal. It's just a sign that there are people deeply, deeply worried about America. So the two countries that they mentioned, at least in this article, New Zealand and Portugal, and basically as fears of civil unrest rise, these are wealthy Americans saying, I want an instantaneous ticket out of here. And they're not kidding. My friends, you know, I'm going to tell you, we have I, one more story I was going to do today, uh, but I can't do it justice. But I want to tell you a couple other really important things. Number one, again, if you're listening on radio, I'll make sure you know you're listening to Debbie Georgiatis. My show is America Can We Talk. You can go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. Everyone listening, while you're at that website, I encourage you to click on subscribe and sign up for our free once-weekly newsletter. You get a newsletter from me with all sorts of links to past interviews, uh, information of upcoming conferences. So subscribe to the uh, newsletter. It is free, and I never share that list with anyone. Never have, never will. Uh, you can also support this show financially. This is a listener-supported show. So you can go to that website, and you can join America Can We Talk. One way to financially support is join America Can We Talk for $50 a year. And that $50 a year will get you uh, your membership and reduced prices, reduced ticket uh, prices for upcoming summit. We have a great summit coming up October 15th. You get a reduced price. You get a reduced price on the items that are, are we, uh, they're kind of fun items that we'll have for sale. Uh, but mostly I'm asking you to do that to support this show because I do this show to support America. I would love your support. And you could also make a donation. Again, I do this show out of uh, based on listener support i would love your donations to keep us rolling keep us speaking truth love that two other ways to support this show one is to go to mypillow.com mypillow.com and uh, they have fabulous quality products i would not brag about any of them if i hadn't tried them myself my husband and i have the slippers the pillows for sure uh pillows of soft medium and hard we tried them all we like them all the pillows Sheets and pillowcases, towels, slippers, bathrobes. The towels are actually, we get the really, really big size. They are wonderful size. They are wonderful. Uh, they just work really well. They're not the kind of towels that look pretty but don't get you dry. So go to MyPillow.com, pick your what you'd like for yourself and others, place your order at the promo code at the end, enter the, enter the words Debbie G, D 
D-E-B-B-I-E-G-W-G, and you will get up to 66% off of your order, up to 66% off. I get a small little payment to me from that. I so appreciate if you would do that. Go to MyPillow.com. You can also go the other product and, and then you can purchase and help this show. It's a drink. It's a beverage I drink every morning without fail. HydroShot. You, if you're on watching online, you can see HydroShot. It's a nitric oxide boost. It does actually truly increase performance, endurance, and focus. It comes in numerous great flavors. A anyone can buy it, but only online, not available in stores. H2Bev.com, H, the numeral 2, Bev.com. Again, on that one, also use the promo code DEBBIEG, D-E-B-B-I-E-G. It's shipped right to your house. You get 10% off your order. I get a small payment, and everybody benefits by this great, great drink, which is used by many, many athletes uh, who understand its great benefits. So as we're about to wrap up the show for our uh, listeners online, I want to tell you again, I do this show solely and only to speak up for America. I've done it since 2014. I have over the years because we've been very politically active. I have wonderful interviews, wonderful connections with, with thoughtful guests, thought leaders, I love doing this show to share the truth about America with you, but also to encourage you, everybody has a role in saving this country from this obvious, overwhelming invasion of America, this ideological communist invasion that is coming our way in America. So for radio listeners, come back every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I'll be right here talking to you every day. For everybody else, I close the show every day by telling you, why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show, Occupied America Reports, Killing the Mules. D'Souza, Dinesh D'Souza, 2000 Mules documentary has been the object of unprecedented attack. Rumble, one platform that made the film available, publicly acknowledged, I didn't even get to this story, a massive attack on their servers. I mean, they try to put it up and their servers are attacked. There are people this tells you, my friends, there are people who don't want America understanding what happened in, in the 2020 elections. Big tech massively censoring any public mention of the film. Fox and Tucker Carlson reportedly ordered Catherine Engelbrecht not to mention the film title during the interview, during her interview, Amazing Stuff. America's living today have limited understanding of living in occupied territory. But that is exactly what America is in 2022. America was taken over via stolen election 2020. The installed government is ruling by force and fear. Resistance is being suppressed via government and big tech and corporate alliance. And I would add to that is also an ideological occupation. The, uh, the march to the institutions, the ideological takeover of America occupying what's supposed to be a free country. Prediction, Americans will not tolerate life in an occupied territory. And we talked about the primal scream, that one of the best lines out of Dinesh D'Souza's movie. He called January 6th a primal scream. Uh, life for the January 6th protesters. D'Souza, 2,000 mules, captured the truth of January 6th. It was not an insurrection, a primal scream of the American people. What they all knew was a stolen election. The DOJ of the installed government has officially threatened life in prison sentences for January 6th protesters who refuse to plead guilty to sedition or similar crimes. And these are serious things they're being forced to plead to. All J6 defendants were unarmed. Almost all were either, number one, invited into the Capitol building, or number two, didn't even go in the Capitol at all. And for this, they deserve a life sentence? This is life in an occupied territory. No law, no justice, 
no respect for truth, just ruthless power by unwanted rulers. America was founded by people determined and able to resist tyranny. Do their descendants have what it takes to do it again? Yes, is the answer. Alito and Thomas and Scotus and Roe versus Wade. Justice Sam Alito and family reportedly relocated for their safety. Justice Clarence Thomas says Scotus will not be bullied. Consider, opponents of Roe versus Wade prayed that it be overturned. Opponents of the draft Dobbs opinion, which would overturn Wade, unprecedented violence and threats to the Supreme Court. Biden administration belatedly denounces the violence and threats, prompted, I'm going to guess, by bad polling results. Americans are learning. The left does not tolerate dissent from leftist dogma. Americans are relearning freedom and American exceptionalism. And on billionaires leaving America, and my very wonderful producer, Mr. Emilio, this is the last slide we're going to do. Billionaires leaving America. Billionaires seeking golden passport to countries considered safer than America. Demand has more than tripled in the past three years. New Zealand and Portugal are now considered by billionaires to be potentially safer than America. Millions of Americans have no clue how vulnerable the U.S. economy is to complete collapse. We're going to be getting to that story soon. Millions of Americans have no clue that their country is under attack from within. Billionaires typically understand finance, and they understand the USA has historically been the safest country in the world. Billionaires are considering voting with their feet. More Americans need to wake up. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I do this show because I love this country. I do it because I want you to love this country and love this country more and stand up and be part of the fight to defend America. I do this show because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America?